Chapter 4 of Religion and Health. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Olivia. Religion and Health by James Joseph Walsh. Chapter 4, Part 1. Charity. Charity is usually looked upon as a cure for social, not personal, ills. Its activities, while recognized as supremely effective in fostering the health of people who have to live on inadequate means, are not ordinarily considered as reacting to benefit the health of the individual who practices the virtue. Any such outlook is, however, very partial. Religion has always taught that the benefiting of others invariably served to bring down blessings on those who took up the precious duty of helpfulness. Blessings which are not reserved merely for the hereafter, but are felt also in this world which affect not only the spirit but the mind of man blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy are the words of the sermon on the mount and it must not be forgotten that dear old-fashioned word mercy which is so often limited to forgiveness in our day meant in the old time acts of benevolence works of mercy as they were called and in luke it is stated that the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves was he that showed mercy on him the personal satisfaction which comes from the performance of these works of mercy represents one of the most active factors that we have for good health and especially for the creation of that background of contentment with life on which good health is commonly developed the merciful garner some of their reward here in the shape of a less troubled life so far at least as their own worries might be sources of trouble and a fuller heartier existence in the consciousness of helpfulness for others the words encouragement discouragement in saxon english heartening and disheartening putting into heart or taking heart out of people have a literal physical as well as metaphysical significance that all physicians have come to appreciate rather thoroughly charity is a cure not only for the ills of the social body but it is also an extremely valuable remedy for the personal ills of those who devote themselves to doing their duty towards others vincent de paul that great organizer of charity or as we would call his work in our time social service for during and after the great wars in france in the early seventeenth century he organized relief for literally thousands of people in the war zone and afterwards continued his great social work which was quite as much needed then as our post-war work is now in the large cities and towns of france once used an expression in this regard that deserves to be repeated here because it emphasizes the reactionary effect of charity which means so much for health vincent said that unless the charity we do does as much good for the doer as it does for the one for whom it is done there is something wrong with the charity here is a phase of charity that has been forgotten only too often in the modern time it emphasizes the fact that the most important remedy for that very serious affection tedium vitae that sense of the unsatisfactoriness of life which comes to everybody at some time or other is the doing of things for other people with a whole-hearted feeling of helpfulness it has been suggested that the doing of good for others with all the good effects which flow from it for the active participants may very well be accomplished without any appeal to religion and that sympathy alone suffices as a foundation sir w thistleton dyer in reviewing huxley's position in this matter in a critique of claude's life of huxley suggests that the mystery would still remain as to how the sympathy is to be infused he adds my experience of human nature inclines me to think 
that it requires a more powerful appeal to the imagination than is afforded by a mere academic council of perfection of this sort as a matter of fact altruism as it has been called is a very different thing from charity in its effect upon the doer the deep feeling of the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of god with which true charity is associated makes a profoundly impressive suggestion with a favorable emotional tendency which serves to give almost as a rule and quite naturally a sense of well-being the practice of charity from religious motives becomes then a very different thing from any mere feeling of sympathy with others founded as it is so likely to be on the selfish feeling of how painful it would be for us to be in like case or tinged at least with the consciousness of condescension toward those below us which vitiates most of the good motives of doing for others on any human grounds for those who feel that the new altruism may fully replace the old charity and that people can derive just as much good from the stirring of their sympathies from merely humanitarian motives as they can from religious love of their neighbor president sherman of cornell said some things that are very interesting it is a blessed characteristic of our own age that religion has come to express itself so nobly in practical well-doing but beneficence is not piety to make the love of man the essence of religion is to misread the latter and to divest the former of its supreme spiritual dynamic if the religious man is a benediction to earth it is because his soul is bathed in the dews of heaven the relief of the serious physical sufferings of those around us together with the glimpse so often afforded while engaged in that work of the patience with which real ills are borne by others is the best possible dispeller of the dreads which are the source of so many psychoneuroses and the neurotic symptoms which complicate other diseases of modern times these represent a much larger proportion of the ills of mankind than we were inclined to think the great war proved a revelation in this regard for one-third of all dismissions from the english army apart from the wounded were made because of neurotic affections manifestly they must occupy an important place also in civil life those who practice charity that is those who not merely supply material aid to be distributed through agents or almoners but give their personal service for those in need have the chance to be impressed with the thought of how much worse things might be with themselves than they actually are and how thankful they should be for their own conditions the best practical definition of contentment still continues to be the conviction that things might be worse than they actually are indeed it is this very satisfaction that comes from doing good that tempts people humanly speaking to do more and more of it and the personal service habit once formed is as hard to break as almost any other habit that a man can contract the word charity has come to have in many minds a very unfortunate innuendo it is associated with the thought of doling out alms of pauperizing people and of making them dependent on others instead of arousing their power to help themselves there are a good many people who seem to think that never until our time did the question of organizing charity or social service as it is called come into men's minds in such a way as to prevent these unfortunate abuses of charity which do so much more harm than good the history of social service does not begin in our time however but goes back over all the centuries in the history of christianity religion has always furnished the incentive to do good but the church and common sense have helped people to regulate their charity in such a way as to make it really useful to men 
During the Middle Ages, there were many legal regulations against sturdy vagrants who imposed on people and took the charity out of the mouths of those who deserved it and who abused the opportunities for treatment in hospitals or for lodging in places provided for the poor. Human nature has not changed much, and the tramp and the wanderer have always been with us, as well as the man who is willing to give up and let others take care of him. Charity, as its Latin etymology suggests, means the dearness of others to us. It is our personal interest in them that constitutes its essence, and not at all the mere giving of something or even the doing of something in order to be relieved from the necessity of thinking about them. Dear old Sir Thomas Brown, in his Religio Medici, put the whole question of charity very succinctly when he said, This I think of charity, to love God for himself and our neighbor for God. Milton summed up the complete quintessence of religion in the single word charity, quite as Dr. Brown did, though with less aphoristic effectiveness. Our whole practical duty in religion is contained in charity, or the love of God and our neighbor. Charity, in this sense, is a development of Christianity, and the personal service idea is almost unknown in ancient times. Lecky, in his History of European Morals, says that the active, habitual, and detailed charity of private persons, which is so conspicuous a feature in all Christian societies, was scarcely known in antiquity, and there are not more than two or three moralists who have noticed it. It is the love or affection that goes with whatever is done that is the real essence of charity. It is this quality especially which makes the charity of benefit to the doer. This helps him, and above all her, to eliminate that superconscious preoccupation with self which has become the bane of existence in modern times. It is at the root of more serious physical and mental symptoms than any other single factor that we have in pathology. Anything that will take people out of themselves, that will interest them in others and keep them from thinking about themselves, will do an immense amount of good in helping to maintain their good health. But above all, it will keep people from exaggerating feelings of all kinds, some of them scarcely more than normal, a great many of them merely physiological, into symptoms which seem to indicate serious disease and sometimes to portend extremely serious consequences. Charity that really touches the heart is a panacea for more ills than any remedy we have. It will make even those who are sufferers from genuine disease, often of severe or almost fatal character, ever so much more comfortable, and it has furnished some invalids with such occupation of mind and heart as has enabled them to do a great deal of good in the world. A great many of us know of one bedridden lady, apparently utterly unable to sit up, who has succeeded in organizing throughout the country branches of an extremely valuable organization which helps the poor to provide proper clothing for their infants and has saved many lives and made many homes happier. There are a great many people who are afraid lest they should do harm by their charity and who apparently fail to realize that it is their own selfishness which takes refuge in the excuse that doing things for others may possibly pauperize the objects of their beneficence. As John Ruskin reminded us in Sesame and Lilies, it is extremely important not to let ourselves be deceived by any of the very common talk of indiscriminate charity. He adds in one of those passages of his that only he could write, and that are so full of the meat of thought for those who care to think about such subjects. The order to us is not to feed the deserving hungry, nor the industrious hungry, nor the amiable and well-intentioned hungry, but simply to feed the hungry. 
it is quite true infallibly true that if any man will not work neither should he eat think of that and every time you sit down to your dinner ladies and gentlemen say solemnly before you ask a blessing how much work have i done to-day for my dinner but the proper way to enforce that order on those below you as well as on yourselves is not to leave vagabonds and honest people to starve together but very distinctly to discern and seize your vagabond and shut your vagabond up out of honest people's way and very sternly then see that until he has worked he does not eat works of charity under religious impulses have always constituted an excellent resource for people inclined to be overoccupied with themselves and who need the stimulus of contact with those in suffering to make them realize that their own troubles are largely the result of too much preoccupation with trifling discomforts of various kinds or even with symptoms of various affections which must be borne and which will cause much less suffering and general disturbance of health if there is a distraction of sincere and deep interest in others anything that will act as a break on the working of the law of avalanche which is discussed in the chapter on pain and which serves to increase all suffering through subjective influences will do human beings a great deal of good as a rule nothing is so effective in this direction as preoccupation with the much severer ills of other people the seven corporal works of mercy as they were called that is the seven modes of succoring those in need which st paul suggested every christian should practise are particularly valuable for the neurotic individuals whom like the poor and needy we have always with us but who have multiplied so much more in this generation because a great many people have not enough to occupy their time properly but above all have not enough exercise of their heart impulses and their affections to satisfy this imperative need of humanity women particularly must be afforded as a rule the opportunity to mother somebody who requires their care if they have no children of their own and with the loosening of the bonds of religion more and more of them have not then they will seldom be happy unless the chance is provided for them to devote the emotional side of their natures to other human beings who need them and whose needs constitute the best possible opportunity for the exercise of the spiritual side of this precious function the seven corporal works of mercy are to feed the hungry to give drink to the thirsty to clothe the naked to harbor the harborless to visit and ransom the captive to visit the sick and to bury the dead these represented a list of very definite duties which children were taught to repeat from memory when they were young and they were told very simply that if they did not take the opportunity to perform them they were really not doing their christian duty to visit the sick for instance meant not only to spend an hour or two with a sick relative but to seek out those who were sick and poor and had no one to care for them and make some provision for them some of the old hospital visiting customs in this regard are extremely interesting inasmuch as they reveal the resource that this must have been to people who are usually thought of as being occupied solely with social duties in the much narrower sense of the term martin luther tells in one of his letters that during his visit to italy about four hundred years ago one of the things that proved a great source of edification to him was the fact that the ladies of nobility in the italian cities made it a custom to visit the hospitals regularly and to spend hours at a time there and do things for the patients with their own hands some of them wore veils while they were performing this beautiful service in order that they might not be recognized lest what they did should come to be talked about 
and they did not want to practice their charity for the sake of publicity the people of the old time were often as intent on avoiding publicity as our generation as a rule seems to be intent on securing it almost needless to say ostentatious philanthropy is not charity and has none of the reactionary good effects for the doer to be found in real charity it must not be forgotten that whenever hospitals are visited regularly thus by the better to do classes there is very little likelihood of serious abuses creeping into them the care of even the very poor patients is kept at a high standard because these visitors see the beginnings of abuses and either bring about their correction at once or else devote themselves to some modification of hospital routine that will prevent recurrence of such unfortunate conditions religion thus proved a stimulus to the better care of the ailing poor that was a distinct benefit to the health of the community it was when hospitals ceased to be the object of such attention on the part of the better-to-do people that they ran down into the awful condition which prevailed so generally in them even less than a century ago burdett in his history of hospitals has not hesitated to say that hospitals placed in the midst of cities and visited regularly by the well-to-do represent a great social instrument for the betterment of all sorts of social conditions the wealthy are kept from being selfish the poor from being envious the classes of the community are not so separated that they fail to understand each other and both of them are greatly benefited by the experiences which bring them together burdett has even gone further and insisted that the support of hospitals by the state because it removes opportunities for charity is an unfortunate development in modern times those who are well able to help the poor and the ailing get the feeling that due provision is made for them out of the taxes and that therefore no further obligation rests upon them and the needs and requirements of the poor are of no concern to them as a consequence he says an increasing number of people are being brought up on the wrong principle and are thus led to forget the privilege and ignore the duty of giving toward the support of those who are unable to help themselves besides pointing out how much is lost of social value and social stimulus when private charitable institutions are replaced by state institutions burdett emphasizes not only how much of social good is accomplished by voluntary charity but also how much of personal relief is afforded to some of the trials of life that often prove the source of unfortunate pathological conditions he said apart from the evils we have briefly referred to there is a loss to the whole community in the lessened moral sense which state institutions create the voluntary charities afford an opening for the encouragement and expression of the best of all human feelings sympathy between man and man they give to the rich an opening for the display of consideration toward the poor which is fruitful in results they create a feeling of widespread sympathy with those who suffer and impress on the population the duty of almsgiving to an extent which no other charity can do they constitute a neutral platform whereon all classes and sects can meet together with unanimity and good feeling they provide a field of labor wherein some of the most devoted and best members of society can cultivate the higher feelings of humanity and learn to bear their own sufferings and afflictions with resignation and patience i have made it a practice for years now when women who were without children and without any special outlet for their affections suffered from neurotic symptoms to prescribe that they get in touch with the ailing poor in some way especially for those trying patients who complain of inability to sleep well a feeling of depression when they awake a lack of appetite but also a lack of incentive to do anything and a tendency to stay much in the house and by themselves 
a condition which not infrequently develops in childless women shortly before and after what is called the change of life no prescription is so valuable as hospital visiting or where that is impossible for some reason at least to make it a rule to visit sick friends regularly i have seen women suffering severely from neurotic symptoms that made life miserable for them become not only quite reconciled to existence sleep better and eat better but actually find some of their first real satisfaction in life as the result of discovering that they could visit the orthopedic ward of a hospital regularly tell stories to the crippled children and bring them little toys help to make easter and the fourth of july and thanksgiving day and christmas and new year's happier for them i have known women who thought after some serious domestic affliction that they could never be happy again to find if not happiness at least satisfaction in life after they had visited a cancer home regularly for some time and had seen with what cheerfulness patients could face the inevitably fatal affection which they knew was gradually sapping life and carrying them day by day into the shadow of death no therapeutic i know is so valuable for the stony grief without tears that some women exhibit after a great loss as the ward for crippled children or some regular visiting of incurable patients to visit and ransom the captives that is to visit prisoners and help them in any way possible is a work of mercy that comparatively few people in our day seem to think they are under any obligations to do merely because they are christians they took this duty very seriously in the older time however and the result was excellent for the prisoners as well as for those who visited them when condemned to serve a sentence and then left to wear out prison existence for years as best he can seeing only his fellow prisoners and his keepers a prisoner is very likely to grow bitter in not a few of these prisoners health of body and even of mind gives way under these hard conditions if the prisoners were visited at definite intervals by someone willing to listen a little patiently to their story for there is always another side to every story even though the other side may not be very true and who would occasionally bring them little things like tobacco as a solace or reading material to occupy idle hours and who would promise to interest himself in securing any favors that were possible and to see that they were given advantage of every benefit allowed them by law they would have less of the feeling that they were outcasts of society it is because the corporal works of mercy as representing serious christian duties somehow have come to be neglected that we have made this rather disturbing social problem of the bitter-minded prisoner so likely to get into prison again thrust upon us but it is also because of the lack of such fine human interest as is afforded by contact with prisoners who show some hope of reform that many an over-occupied business man suffers from such profound weariness of life that rest cures and special vacations have to be prescribed for him i once had a bachelor friend whom i had known for many years come to me as a patient and though he had been a model of common sense whom i had been accustomed to think of as utterly without nerves i was surprised to find how many neurotic symptoms were gradually developing in him he had lost his sister who had made home life and a heart interest for him and he had no near relatives he had nothing but his business to occupy him he had no hobby and no interest in that direction that seemed likely to develop and i wondered what should i advise him to occupy himself with to keep him from getting further on his own nerves he had an extremely important and correspondingly difficult position involving the carrying of a heavy burden of responsibility for a great many rather complex details of a huge business a chance remark of his own in pity for a young fellow whom his corporation had found cheating and had felt itself compelled to prosecute for example's sake 
led me to suggest the visiting of prisoners for years that man spent several hours on two or three sundays of every month visiting the prisoners of a large city he gathered around him a group of men who found a good deal of satisfaction in that work he himself began to sleep better and wiped off the slate of life a series of dreads and obsessions that he was beginning to foster men often talk of the blue devils getting hold of them but it is often just a case of the devil finding work not for idle hands but for idle hearts especially at christmas and easter he used to have as good a time in the best sense of that expression with his little brothers of the prison as any father and mother ever had with a houseful of children he once told me some of his experiences in a way that revealed his tactfulness in the handling of these sensitive fellow-mortals that was one of the most interesting revelations of the christian gentleman i think i have ever had given to me end of chapter four part one recording by olivia